Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. As the flames licked the air, the young factory worker looked out the window. Faced with two decisions, either burn to death or jump to her most certain demise, she didn't feel as if she had a choice. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. everybody, I'm Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. We would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. Okay, Dakota, what do you think today's topic is about? Well, if I paid attention to last week's episode... <laughs> you were just too busy being like, I hate fashion. Yeah, <laughs> I would know what this one was going to be about. <laughs> but uh, And you said what we were going to be doing this week, but I don't remember. Oh, well. So, uh, okay, so burning building has to jump out of a building bi- building, or it's going to start on fire. Or no, it is on fire and it's going to fall down. Um, I don't know. Again, sounds like some sort of saw shit where you don't have much of a choice. You're going to get fucked up either way. Yeah. So um, it, it, this is about the, uh, I want to say factories, something about factories yeah. um, and the uh, bad shit that went on in factories. Yeah. China. No. Oh, I'm getting further away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> something about... Uh, this slavery I mean, I don't think type g- thing in in factories. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna get the exact event, but you are definitely on the right. I track. should though, because you told me what it was gonna be last well, week. Well, I don't know if I told you the name of the event. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't actually. I can't remember. I might have alluded to it, but okay. Well, what is the name of the event? Yeah. So today we're gonna be talking about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. I feel like that could have had a better name to it. You know, <laughs> I thought it was gonna end in event like the. Tunguska event. Tunguska event, yeah. <laughs> no. So it was aliens. Aliens started this factory Stop on it. fire. No, they didn't. Factory you don't, you conditions. Don't know that. Factory conditions started the factory on fire. We didn't start the fire. It factory was conditions burning. always started the fire. That's how that song goes, yeah. Um, yeah. What's your gold nugget? I mean, I don't really have an over. You have a lump of coal. Uh, I've got a lump of coal. I, I got COVID. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, luckily I'm fine. I just had, you know, maybe You're a little. sleepy, baby. I was just a little bit sleepy. I had a couple naps and it's like. I, I and was, you slept for like 12 hours. Yeah, I was saying like, <laughs> I had the most privileged white guy COVID ever. Yeah. I was just like. Oh, I got COVID. I'm a little bit sleepy. <laughs> I have to take a nap. Yeah. Uh, and other than that, I mean, my nose has been kind of a little bit stuffed throughout the entire month of Yeah, April. we can't figure out what's going on with that. But it feels better, though, right now. It feels... COVID cured your allergies? Yep. <laughs> just, just like those uh, those horse tranquilizing pills can <laughs> cure COVID. 
That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I've been kind of just luckily I've had a few days off. So I've, I've been able to just not miss any work because yeah. of it. But I've had to pretty much stay in the house. Yeah. And we've discovered that you don't like being aimless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't. It's weird. I, I just felt. I'm depressed. Of, I'm depressed. I found a sense of boredom, which makes me feel like I'm depressed. And I might be, <laughs> but I'm not sure if I am. I, no, I think depression lasts for longer. You might be feeling really, like, sad in that moment. But, like, maybe. depression as an actual... Yeah, I have this... But when I'm sitting there with nothing to do, because yeah. whenever I'm busy working and doing stuff, I can always focus on that. But when I when I don't have anything to focus on, I can just think of this despair that is life. Oh. So you're having an existential crisis. Got I'll, it. Always. But I'm just like, what? what is the point? What is the point of me doing this thing? You know, this like, play this video game, but why? You know? Mm. And and uh, that trips me out a bit. You should read Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis. Oh, I'd rather They have read... a comic book version of it. So basically he turns into a big cockroach. Okay. So I have two rebuttals to that. <laughs> okay. I would rather listen to... Hilary Duff's Metamorphosis. Okay, than that. cool. Or I would rather read Animorphs. Okay. So there's two Those more, are really morphing well, things. Well done rebuttals. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like they were witty. Like they're not, yeah. they don't have an argument or a foot to stand on, but they were witty. <laughs> so. so you're saying in a court case, I wouldn't be like, <laughs> you, you know, win, winning no. that argument. <laughs> Sorry. No. Uh, I I do potentially have a golden nugget now that I think of it, but okay. I want you to go first because I think I know what yours is going to be. Go ahead. Uh, so my golden nugget is I'm immune to COVID. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking my golden nugget is my wife is immune to COVID. <laughs> no, we'll come back to your what okay, you thought okay. I was going to say. But um, I have lived in very close quarters now to Dakota for the past five, six days that he's been stuck at home. Uh, with covid and i have not got it i test you know once twice a day sometimes and um i have no symptoms i keep testing negative i take an antiviral i get really bad cold sores if i don't and i think this is my scientific hypothesis that i can't really prove but i think that because you know the herpes virus is a virus which is causing cold sores and the coronavirus is a virus causing covid I believe that my antivirals are also preventing me from getting COVID. I have no proof yeah. other than <laughs> you man, you're, I don't you're, have COVID. You're just like all those people who, uh, you know, are like, uh, don't believe that COVID is a thing. And they're yes. like, they're like, exactly I, ha- I, I have, well, they, they say they have proof or they've heard this thing, which also I recently heard this, you know, when people say uh, like they've done studies or something right. like that it's that what that is called is a weasel word have you ever heard of this before no i'm excited that you're teaching me yeah yeah so i learned this i was just watching the show bullshit on Mm. netflix which i fully recommend that's another golden nugget i guess (laughs) uh we're we're dragging this out a bit you know just having a conversation no no i'm I'm enjoying it just because the topic is shorter this week but a, a weasel word is something that people just say to be like oh i read that somewhere or they've done studies experts say but unless you actually have the stuff that you've, you know, heard experts say and stuff like that, it's mm-hmm. a weasel word. It's to make people think you know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, well, that and, would make sense. And, and and to be fair, and to be honest, like, people on both sides of this whole COVID thing have, do that all the damn oh, for time. Sure. For sure. Right? Yes. Uh, yes. So. 
Well, so I'm not trying to make a weasel word here. Um, no, I just thought so it was an interesting I, I, segue. I don't have the data right in front of me, so I'm not, yeah. but I, maybe this is a weasel. But I do know that the pill that they've created is, um, I think that they used the antivirals for HIV drugs to make mm. it or to like get that idea from. So my hypothesis, I think, is a little bit on the nose in that sense. So... Yes. What did you, you think? You my, sound like a weasel to me. You're a weasel. What did you think my golden nugget was? Oh, the house. We oh uh, we, we went by. Uh, well, I have mixed feelings about the house. What do you? Okay, you well, know that. <laughs> I know, but so we 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 did. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have been out of the house in the sense that I've driven with Liz, but I haven't gotten out of the vehicle. <laughs> so I'm being a good boy, but we drove by our new house that's being built and it finally has walls it does have walls and it's very exciting yeah it's super exciting so uh yeah we're, cool. i'm pumped you are feeling mixed feelings describe your mixed feelings oh i just don't know that we're making the right decision and so i waffle some days i'm like i think we should back out we should just stay here to be what fair she did this with our marriage that's also so. true. that's also true. <laughs> she was like Every time we were, like, talking about the wedding, she's like, are we making the right choice? And I'm like, well, I think I am. <laughs> I, tell yeah. me how you really feel. <laughs> that only lasted for, like, two weeks. And then I was like, fuck yeah, I'm getting married. So this has been lasting. Oh, it felt like it lasted forever. No, it was only about two weeks. You so. know. Anyways. Well, when somebody says that, uh, you know, are, are we, are you sure we should be getting married? Yeah, I guess you, that, like, you question your whole reality. <laughs> I guess that, like, never really thought about what kind of impact that would have had on you. Yeah. Okay, but so, to be you're fair, a selfish weasel. To be fair, we got engaged after four months. So I feel like my question was valid. Yeah, either way. The point is, we have a house. It's being built. Now every week we can go and check out the progress they've made and, and actually actually see what they've done. And yeah. it's cool to see what the other houses are looking like, too. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's fun. So there you go. Golden nugget. I got there in the end. Nice. Let's move on to the topic at hand. So last week, we talked a little bit about the Industrial Revolution and the textile industries and the horrible conditions that existed in them. Employers did not care about the workers, whether they had a good work-life balance or if they worked 18 hours a day or if they lived or even died. And today, we're going to look at one horrible event from this evolution of the factory called the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. The fire happened on March 25, 1911, and is remembered as one of the most infamous incidents in American industrial history, as the deaths were largely preventable. The tragedy did bring widespread attention to the dangerous sweatshop conditions of factories and led to the development of a series of laws and regulations that better protected the safety of workers. The Triangle Waste Company factory occupied the 8th, 9th, and 10th floors of a building in New York City. The factory produced women's blouses known as shirt waists and normally shirt waists. Yes, and normally employed about 500 workers, mostly young Italian and Jewish immigrant women. And girls who worked nine hours a day on weekdays plus seven hours on Saturdays. Ooh. For this 52 hours of work, they earned between seven and $12 a week. What? Um, but some places also say $15 a week, so. <laughs> but, um. So this is 1911, so let me tell you the yeah, equivalency. Yeah, yeah. Which is the equivalent of $191 to $327 a week in 2018 currency. $300 a week. I make math a week. <laughs> Yes. Uh, you make probably about $800 a week. I think. Let's let's do this. I, let's three divided by... Oops. Three divided by four. Yeah, let's, let's pour out for people how much I make. I'm not. 
$750 a week. I was very close. Oh. So, I mean, you're not really making much more than a sweatshop woman. Well, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bring that to my employers and be like, look at this. I am, you are making me feel no better than a sweatshop woman. That's what you should say to them. Yeah. And I I will, (laughs) I will bring them facts. I will not have them call me a weasel. That's right. Like you are. I am not calling you a weasel. Oh, sorry. I meant that I'm calling you a weasel. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) The Triangle Factory was owned by Max, was owned by Mox. Why can't I say Max? Max was owned by Max Blank. That's actually his name. That's his name. Yeah. Max Blank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, if, hello, I'm Max Blank. And then I'd just be like, Max, what? Why do you? <laughs> Let's fill in your last name here. What an interesting last name. <laughs> B-L-A-N-C-K. C-K. C-K. Blank. Blanc. I think that's why I was going Mox. Mox oh, Blanc. Mox Blanc. <laughs> Max Blanc. Blanc. And Isaac Harris, and was located on the top three floors of the Ash Building in Manhattan. It was a true sweatshop employing young immigrant women who worked in cramped spaces at lines of sewing machines. Nearly all of the workers were teenage girls who did not speak English and worked 12 hours a day every day. So I've got a couple different sources here. Some say nine hours, some say 12, some say they were paid $12, some say they were paid 15. Mm. History. Yes. That's that's a good good way to uh, not have the fa- true facts. Is just just go history. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> In 1911, there were four elevators with access to the factory floors, but only one was fully operational, and the workers had to file down a long narrow corridor in order to reach it. There were two stairways down to the street, but one was locked from the outside to prevent stealing, and the other only opened inward. The fire escape was so narrow that it would have taken hours for all of the workers to use it, even in the best of circumstances. The danger of fires in factories like the Triangle Shirtwaist was well known, but high levels of corruption in both the garment industry and city government generally ensured that no useful precautions were taken to prevent fires. Blank and Harris already had a suspicious history of factory fires. The Triangle factory caught fire twice, while their other factory, the Diamond Waste Company factory, also caught on fire twice. It seems that Blank and Harris deliberately torched their workplaces before business hours in order to collect on the large fire insurance policies they purchased. Oh, damn. Which was apparently a common practice in the early 20th century. (laughs) I don't know. While this was not the cause of the 1911 fire, it did contribute to the tragedy because Blank and Harris refused to install sprinkler systems and to take other safety measures in case they needed to burn down their shops again. Well, of course. They they weren't (laughs) going to install that stuff. I mean, they wouldn't get money if their things would protect against the fire (laughs) yes on top of this blank and harris were notorious anti-workers so sorry (laughs) what after this fire happened and uh, blank and harris are getting uh like interviewed and they're like okay i know what you're thinking you're thinking oh this is just blank and harris this is what they do they definitely burned down this fire this house this wasn't us this time guys (laughs) okay i i swear I know this reeks of our handiwork, but it was in us. The fire marshal did prove that it was not them, so. That's good. (laughs) So when the International Ladies Garment Workers Union led a strike in 1909, demanding higher pay and shorter and more predictable hours, Blank and Harris's company was one of the few manufacturers who resisted hiring police as thugs to imprison the striking women and paid off politicians to look the other way. So they don't like their workers. I can tell. They tried to burn them alive many times. Uh, No, they would do it in the morning when the workers weren't there. Oh. So they got a little bit of a heart. I guess. (laughs) 
On March 25, 1911, as the workday was ending, a fire flared up in a scrap bin under one of the cutter's tables on the 8th floor. The fire marshal concluded that the likely cause of the fire was the disposal of an unextinguished match or cigarette butt in a scrap bin containing two months' worth of accumulated cuttings. Beneath the table in the wooden bin were hundreds of pounds of scraps left over from the several thousand shirtwaists that had been cut at that table. The scraps piled up from the last time the bin was emptied, coupled with the hanging fabrics that surrounded it, the steel trim was the only thing that was not highly flammable, so it's made up of wood, and then inside the wood is all of this fabric. The manager attempted to use the fire hose to extinguish it, but was unsuccessful, as the hose was rotted and its valve was rusted shut. A bookkeeper on the 8th floor was able to warn employees on the 10th floor via telephone, but there was no audible alarm and no way to contact staff on the 9th floor. According to survivor Yetta Lubitz, the first warning of the fire on the ninth floor arrived at the same time as the fire itself. I wish I watched Survivor <laughs> because then I could make a, a Survivor joke mm. about, you know, uh, this contestant made this comment or something like that. But he, he, instead, here I am using weasel words <laughs> to describe a joke, a joke I could have made, made. But let it... Oh, I don't got nothing. I fucked it up, okay? You did. <laughs> As the fire grew, panic ensued. The young workers tried to exit the building by elevator, but it could only hold 12 people, and the operator was only able to make four trips back and forth before it broke down amid the heat and flames. And I'll talk a little bit more about these elevators later. Ooh, I want to, uh, they, they should, well, obviously the song didn't exist at the time, but If Through the Fire and the Flames played right here. Do you know that song? Isn't that the last song that you play on, like, Rock Band? It's a Guitar Hero 3, to be specific. It's a bonus song, and it's, like, the hardest hardest song in all, you know, but, like... I did, like, pretty okay at it. On on what difficulty? Easy? easy. Yeah, I had a friend that could play that song an expert, so... Well, do you think you're better than me? Um, well, I could play it on medium, so yes. (laughs) (laughs) Although the floor had a number of exits, including two freight elevators, a fire escape, and stairways down to the street, flames prevented workers from descending one of the stairways, and one of the doors was locked to prevent theft from workers. By locking the doors, the managers were able to check the women's purses. Various historians have also ascribed the exit doors being locked to managements wanting to keep out union organizers due to the management's anti-union bias, so we already know that they hate their workers. The foreman who had held the stairway door key had already escaped by another route. Dozens of employees escaped the fire by going up the stairway onto the roof. Other survivors were able to jam themselves into the elevators while they continued to operate. Within three minutes, the stairway became unusable in both directions. Terrified employees crowded onto the single exterior fire escape, a flimsy and poorly anchored iron structure that may have been broken before the fire. It soon twisted and collapsed from the heat and overload, spilling about 20 victims nearly 100 feet to their deaths on the concrete pavement below. Oh, Jesus. The remainder waited until smoke and fire overcame them. The fire department did arrive quickly, but was unable to stop the flames as their ladders were only long enough to reach the seventh floor. The fallen bodies and falling victims also made it difficult for the fire department to approach the building. Another song they could have done, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. Stop Why it. did these songs exist back in the day? You're such a bad boy. Elevator operators were able to save many lives by traveling three times up to the ninth floor for passengers. Dead bodies everywhere by corn. Oh, keep going. However, one car was eventually forced to give up when the rails of the elevator buckled under the heat. Some victims pried the doors open and jumped into the empty shaft, trying to slide down the cables or to land on top of the car. The weight and impacts of these bodies warped the elevator car and made it impossible for the second car to make any more attempts. 
Other girls who did not make it to the stairwells or the elevator were trapped by the fire inside the factory and began to jump from the windows to escape it. The bodies of the jumpers fell on the fire hoses, making it difficult to fight the fire. In one case, a life net was unfurled to catch jumpers, but three girls jumped at the same time, ripping the net. The nets turned out to be mostly ineffectual. A large crowd of bystanders gathered on the street, witnessing 62 people jumping or falling to their deaths from the burning building. One bystander described it as such. Yo, that shit was crazy! Stop it, you're so inappropriate. (laughs) One Saturday afternoon in March of that year, March 25th to be precise, I was sitting at one of the reading tables in the old Astor Library. It was a raw, unpleasant day, and the comfortable reading room seemed a delightful place to spend the remaining few hours until the library closed. I was deeply engrossed in my book when I became aware of fire engines racing past the building. By this time, I was sufficiently Americanized to be fascinated by the sound of fire engines. <laughs> that's, how, that's how the Americans are. They just, uh, <laughs> when they hear a fire en- engine, they go, Woo! Woo! Fire engine! Fire engine! <laughs> Along with several others in the library, I ran out to see what was happening and followed crowds of people to the scene of the fire. A few blocks away, the Ash Building at the corner of Washington Place and Green Street was ablaze. When we arrived at the scene, the police had thrown up a cordon around the area and the firemen were helplessly fighting the blaze. The 8th, ninth, and 10th stories of the building were now an enormous, roaring cornice of flames. Word had spread through the east side by some magic of terror that the plant of the Triangle Waste Company was on fire and that several hundred workers were trapped. Horrified and helpless, the crowds, I among them, looked up at the burning building, saw girl after girl appear at the reddened windows, pause for a terrified moment, and then leap to the pavement below to land as a mangled, bloody pulp. This went on for what seemed a ghastly eternity. Occasionally, a girl who hesitated too long was licked by pursuing flames and, screaming with clothing and hair ablaze, plunged like a living torch to the street. Life nets held by the firemen were torn by the impact of following bodies. The emotions of the crowd were indescribable, women were hysterical, scores fainted, men wept, as in paroxysms of frenzy, they hurled themselves against the police lines. Right? Damn. Within 18 minutes, it was all over. 49 workers had burned to death or been suffocated by smoke, 36 were dead in the elevator shaft, and 58 had died from jumping to the sidewalks, with two more dying later from their injuries. The death toll was 146 people, 123 of which were women and girls, and 23 were men. Most victims died of burns, asphyxiation, blunt impact injuries, or a combination of all three. The company's owners, who were actually there on the day, had survived by fleeing to the building's roof when the fire began, and they were indicted on charges of first and second degree manslaughter. Shockingly, they were acquitted, despite the prosecution showing that the doors were in fact locked. They were found liable of wrongful death and had to pay $75 per deceased victim, but their insurance company paid them about 60000 more than the reported losses, which was about $400 for each deceased person. Oh, so they they made a way, it was know, like like bandits. I was going to say, it was like more worthwhile. Oh, we should kill more people uh, off more often. Right? Isn't that horrible? Yeah. The fire, however, helped unite organized labor and reform-minded politicians in New York. The workers' union set up a march on April 5th down New York's 5th Avenue to protest the conditions that had led to the fire. It was attended by 80,000 people. Now, as I write this, I'm reminded of some of the horrible stories I have heard of Amazon employees working conditions in factories, where they've alleged that bathroom breaks are not allowed, and they also work super long hours, and they're not allowed to unionize. I was also reminded of the recent candle factory death that occurred just at the end of 2021. 
So I'm going to talk about that very briefly. Yeah. The Mayfield Consumer Products Factory is the third largest employer in Western Kentucky. That's the candle factory. And about 110 workers would work there on overnight shifts making candles, getting ready for the Christmas season. Many of the workers preferred working there as an alternative to the nearby local chicken plant or on farms. They were hired for seven fifty an hour to do jobs such as placing wicks in little jars of wax. On December 8th, 2021, a swarm of deadly tornadoes plowed across six, six states, including Kentucky, reducing the factory to rubble. Workers were trapped for hours under piles of debris, crying out for people to save them, and eight people died that night in the factory. And so now Mayfield Consumer Products is facing intense scrutiny in the storm's aftermath. Angry survivors have asked why supervisors did not cancel the shift, given the ample warning that tornadoes were likely to move through the area. Some employees have claimed that supervisors threatened to fire workers if they left the shifts early as the tornadoes approached. And some of the workers have now gone on to file a lawsuit accusing the company of flagrant indifference for refusing to let them go home early. Public records show that the factory had a history of worker safety violations in the years preceding the storm. In 2020, federal safety records show that Mayfield had an injury rate that exceeds the industry average. The company was fined more than 16000 for workplace safety issues in 2019. In recent years, it has relied in part on labor from incarcerated people and recruits from Puerto Rico. The people who come are generally from economically challenged backgrounds and are willing to move to Kentucky from Puerto Rico for jobs that pay $10 or $12 an hour. So, a couple things about that. Uh, they get basically free labor from having... Uh, incarcerated people do their job and then they can kind of get away with more labor violations mm -hmm. by hiring people from puerto rico okay. yeah so capitalism Woo! yeah the company spokesman has said that the employees followed the safety guidelines outlined in tornado drills by seeking shelter in the interior part of the building but the tornado was of such a rare size and strength that it had great destructive power the company has also stated that quote we are heartbroken about this and our immediate efforts are to assist those affected by this terrible disaster our company is family-owned, and our employees, some of who have worked with us for many years, are cherished. So my question is this, then. If you are so cherished, why are you being paid so little for such long hours and not being allowed to go home in the midst of a climate disaster? Anyways, because of capitalism, the evils over the Industrial Revolution, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of these types of issues, whether it be union troubles, um, factory problems working in a factory, and more environmental disasters from climate change, I think we're in for a rude wake-up call. So, Dakota, what do you think? Yeah, I, I thought this, the story was all right. I think uh, it's... I can't imagine having to make that decision between burning to death or jumping to my death. Right. You know, that sounds awful. And, you know, I want to... More of what I want to talk about in this is is, is capitalism, yeah. and and my question <laughs> to you is: Do you think that things are going to get better or no. worse? Worse. Okay, tell me about that. I think capitalism on paper sounds mm -hmm. like a great idea, but it doesn't work because the whole idea is like, you know, you have competition, which creates better, like better buying power for the consumer. Mm -hmm. Um. It should. It, it it doesn't allow for monopolies. You know where there's one giant like Xbox that owns everything. Xbox. <laughs> I don't I, know. I was trying to think of a giant corporation. Okay, That's well, what I, came Xbox to my brain. are they're they're pretty chill as far as okay, <laughs> corporations go. Giant monopoly like Walmart. You know, it's the purpose is to have 
a healthy, thriving economy. And then mm. part of that is like trickle down economics so that the people at the top, if they are making a lot of money, that wealth will trickle down so that everybody involved will have a lot of money. However, so, okay, yes, I think on paper, great. Sounds like a good idea. In practice, it doesn't work because people are fucking corrupt yeah. and they will create laws that will benefit them and mm-hmm. hurt their workers. So we see, you know, like this candle factory where they're like, mm-hmm. no, it's the Christmas season. This is our busiest season. You have to work through the night despite the fact that there's a tornado coming. And if you don't, we're going to fire you. So yeah. that is that is an effect of capitalism. Also, mm-hmm. um, you know, we don't have resources. Our world is not a infinite amount of resources i mean sun power wind 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 power (laughs) those are those are renewable but you know oil gas and everything those aren't those are non-renewable and capitalism wants to use what it has right now so oil and gas to continue to make money Mm -hmm. and continue to harm our world and they don't care so i think everything uh, a majority of the problems that exist in this world can be boiled down to racism misogyny slash the patriarchy and capitalism so mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know yeah I no know. i i see where you're coming from i'm i'm slightly hopeful in the sense that you know things are granted that area things aren't getting amazingly better but i feel like uh you know especially after the the pandemic you know people are like we've learned that people's quality of life i think is at least i've learned maybe not everybody's learned but i've learned that you know people's quality of life is above everything is the most important thing and i you know we see things like different movements for different groups of people getting better and better uh you know and, and they're still shit right I'm yeah not, i mean like abortion just got taken away so <laughs> okay yes there's there are some backsliding happening but you know i I, I want to believe that there is some hope that things are are going to get better, whether that's actually the case. Well, so yes, I don't want to leave you guys on a negative note here, but the Gen Zs can come in because they're like, fuck the system. We think this is stupid. Why are we doing the world this way? So right now, people who are making those big decisions that that affect the majority of the world, they still have these views of of what the world was like from the 50s when yeah capitalism was great and people i mean for white people but um they haven't caught up with the changing times like they still think well just don't eat avocado toast and you can buy a house yeah i i I will say to that though that i i I do i do think just there are lots of good people in every sector (laughs) true this is true and it's just that a lot of the people that are in power have been in power for so long that they are an older generation yeah, that is not willing to change. So yeah, I I, I just I, I am hopeful. Good. Is what I'm saying. I'm glad. I'm I, glad I, to I, hear I that. I want to leave it on uh, for me on a hopeful note is that you know that we are seeing changes in other areas of uh, of life, whether it's you know, um, uh, you know, I I don't want to speak too much to this uh, to these things because I'm you know a white privileged dude, but you know whether it's you know the uh, things getting better at the me too movement or um you know uh with black lives matter and all these different areas that there are people who want to do good and be good and respect human life and uh you know it's weird coming from an industry like like mine for instance which we deal with people 
it's not a business it's not a prof for profit or anything like that uh, you know this is my main thing as a as a leader in my organization is just to give the people that i serve the best life possible but also the people doing the serving because if you give the people doing the serving the life they want as well they're going to do better at their job you know if you give the amazon employees a pee break <laughs> They're going to perform better. Probably. Because they're not going to be going, fuck, I have to pee, and then holding their bladder. Or peeing in bottles. Or peeing in bottles. They're like, they're going to do better if you give them a reason. My si- my sister, they just gave them like this this little retreat sort of thing in the city here where they got to, uh, they had to attend this nice little relax- relaxation retreat and then get to stay in a hotel for the night. And that's the kind of thing that I think we need to see more of because that makes you want to stay at a company (laughs) yes you know not letting you that's how you keep people Mm -hmm. having people not be able to go to the bathroom is not going to pee people it's not going to pee people it's not going to keep people right so i i do i personally think it's going to get better but what do you think listeners send us a message let us know what you what you think is capitalism destroying the world or is there hope? Well, it is. It is destroying the world. I mean, yeah, maybe it's both. But, but can it get better from from here where we are now? Yeah, good point. So, you didn't give me a rating yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got so involved in my thing. I will give this um, six point seven weasel words out of ten. <laughs> okay, six point seven. All right, better than last week, um, which we learned you were wrong about that rating. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I still didn't like it. Well, that's all we have for this week. <laughs> We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, or tell your friends about us, because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian or on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast. You can also leave us a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash thehistorian. Also, shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to the reluctant historian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And on a hopeful note, as that band once said, through the fire and the flames, we carry on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.